I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, July 9th, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. A second wave of COVID-19 is hammering Israel, pushing the country to re-implement heavy restrictions. People come to now, so we've done it. You know, okay, we suffered, we lost income for two months. We were at home mostly without going out for the most part. And then everything was opened up and people thought, wow, we did it. And now suddenly it's all happening all over again. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. After having single-digit days of new positive cases following the first wave of coronavirus, Israel is now seeing over 1,000 new cases each day. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Professor Anthony Heyman about the new Israeli spread. Starting first in Yemen, the war-torn country is on the brink of a massive famine as donations dry up amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The spread of disease, coupled with an ongoing five-year civil war between Houthi rebels and Saudi-backed pro-government forces, is creating the perfect storm for a massive humanitarian crisis. In an interview overnight, UNICEF told the Fox News Rundown that the arrival of COVID-19 has made a difficult situation even worse, and that the number of malnourished children could increase to 2.4 million without further international intervention. Now to Jordan, that has done one of the best jobs in the world at controlling COVID-19. The kingdom is reporting 10 deaths from coronavirus and just over 1,000 total cases. This comes after months of lockdowns and restrictions that at one point included the military delivering food to civilians who weren't allowed to leave their homes. Jordan did announce this week that a kindergarten teacher has tested positive for the virus, sending 200 children into isolation. Finally, in Israel, COVID-19 restrictions are in place once again. Gyms, bars and event halls are closed indefinitely as the country grapples with a second wave of coronavirus. The Israeli government has received harsh criticism from citizens for their handling of the pandemic. The number of serious cases and cases that require ventilators is increasing as the situation appears to be spiraling downward. So what can Israel do to stop this ominous trajectory? We had a wonderful and effective lockdown uh, at the start of the COVID epidemic. This is Professor Anthony Heyman, the head of family care for one of Israel's largest health providers. Which included uh, the, uh, cutting all uh, flights, uh, incoming flights to the country. We really sort of cut ourselves off from the world um, and from each other. We were all secluded in our homes and uh, uh, half the uh, factories were closed and the bars were closed and the pubs were closed and, and everything was closed. And of course, we went, we very quickly overcame the epidemic, uh, initial wave of the epidemic, and uh, everyone was very pleased with themselves. And the government took all the credit, of course, so brilliant, brilliant management by the government. And uh, then the government, uh, due to pressure from all the people who lost their jobs, were put in, on leave, or all the small businesses which were dying from lack of customers and lack of funds, the government gave in and opened everything. Almost everything was opened up. Uh, And it's probably the government's worst mistake was to open the schools. They opened the schools too quickly, um, and, and for the first two or three weeks, everything was fine, of course, and uh, 
everyone sort of forgot that there was an epidemic or there is an epidemic. And then the case numbers started to go up. And uh, we've now got to over 1,000 new cases a day, um, which for a country of 9 million people, citizens, is, is, a, is quite a high rate. Um, and the hospitals now filling up again with uh, special facilities for COVID patients. Um, and suddenly the government has realized that it hasn't been full monitoring the situation in, in a proper way. And we're now starting the process of closing down all the bars and all the public uh, entertainment. And many shops are now closing and the, uh, and the gyms are closing. And it's a, a situation of, a, of sort of like an accordion where you opened it up too fast and now you're having to close down. And uh, it's uh, very sad, very sad, because I think people until now thought that we had, we've, we've done it, you know. Okay, we suffered, we lost income for two months, we were at home mostly without going out, there were no parks, there was no entertainment, and then everything was opened up and the uh, people felt, wow, we did it. And now suddenly, it's all happening all over again. And this time, people are really Is the government... Because it is it. Yeah. Is the government doing enough? Do, do, do you feel the government is doing enough now amid this second wave? What more needs to be done to stop what seems like a very ominous trajectory for the country? Yes. I mean, uh, the, unfortunately, the health ministry... Uh, wasn't sufficiently uh, organized. We need to do more contact tracing. I think the name of the game is contact tracing, and there are not enough people to do the contact tracing. Being sort of very technologically forward, we had this strange idea that checking, it's using telephone locations to identify people who were exposed would solve the problem. Um, but what has actually happened is a lot of people who have been in the proximity of someone who has COVID have been contacted and been put into isolation, but it hasn't really solved the problem. Because the, without good contact tracing, which requires an individual, uh, uh, some experience, it's not too complicated, to approach their patient uh, and say, look, where have you been? Who did you exactly meet? And under what circumstances? Without that, there is uh, the virus spreads uh, quickly in directions that you can't appre appreciate or identify. So um, we need more contact tracing, and we need the government has to try and get people. Uh, uh, people are getting very depressed because they're, um, they're of the financial situation. People are hurting, and one of the problems at the moment is the government has got no economic strategy um, uh, and has not presented the economic strategy, um, and people need money now, and the, people do, the government is simply not uh, supplying the goods. So businesses are going under, and there's a sort of feeling of rebellion. Um, some businesses who should have closed now with the second wave of closures uh, that the government has instructed are just are ignoring the government, okay? 
they're, they're, they're saying, if I close now, we're finished. I have to carry on. And the, they're, not, they're not being closed by the local authorities because there's such a confusion. Um, so we're really in a very bad place. Um, you talk about the confusion. What do you find being on the front lines of many of these cases patients are most confused about? Is okay. it the symptoms? Is it the way that it can be transmitted? No, everyone, everyone, everyone knows the symptoms. That's, 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 that's a good thing. Um, and of course, we're in, the, in summer at the moment, so somebody starts coughing with a high temperature, uh, it's not so difficult to identify who may be uh, uh, suffering from coronavirus. But the problem is there are so many people in, in lockdown now, there's so many people in isolation because of, um, and when you're in isolation, you think about your health all the time. And people are worried and they want to do the corona testing, although there's no real reason to test someone in isolation who has no symptoms. And so people, uh, people who are stuck at home, they're in isolation and they're worried. They're, they're turning to the physicians uh, by telephone and saying, please organize me a corona test. And the corona testing is overwhelmed at the moment. We are trying to test the people who need to be tested rather than the people that don't need to be tested. Um, and so there's a, there's a, a feeling amongst some of the public that we're not testing the right people. But of course, we just can't test everybody. And uh, this is generating confusion someone you know you can understand someone is in has been exposed has been sent to isolation and thinks he should be tested well i can quite understand the patients but when you only have uh, the ability to test forty thousand people a day uh, or something along those lines um uh, you have to test the people who are symptomatic um and and uh and, and are recovering because you want to be able to release people who have, have the coronavirus. So they need to be, in, in our country, we've decided that we have to test these people twice and have two negative tests after someone has been positive before we release them from isolation. So it, it's complicated. And because things are moving at such a fast pace, the government is producing uh, new regulations every couple of days and no one can keep up with it. And no one can keep up with it. I mean, the doctors, uh, we're able to, we're on top of what we should be doing. But the public, uh, the explanations to the public are quite poor. You've been listening to Professor Anthony Heyman about the new Israeli outbreak. We'll be right back. What does the situation look like for Israeli hospitals right now? I know that a number of hospitals including Sheba Medical Center, have plans in place should the COVID-19 pandemic expand more rapidly here, such as using parking garages as makeshift ICU centers. Are the hospitals getting overwhelmed at this point amid this second spike in cases, or are things operating as usual? Yeah, the hospitals are working very well, actually. uh, uh, During the initial... Uh, the first wave, uh, we were under, the hospitals were not properly equipped um, with personal protective gear for the for the staff and 
we built several Corona wards. Uh, in fact, in every hospital there's a Corona ward, uh, a COVID ward. Um, and of course, these were all closed down after the first wave and everyone was congratulating uh, themselves that this is it. But now we, in every hospital, uh, there's now, uh, the wards have been reopened. We now know how to do it. Um, there's uh, minimum patient contact, which of course for the patients is very distressing. Um, but um, some hospitals even have two, uh, two wards for corona patients. So we, the hospitals at the moment are functioning. Um, and it's very interesting, the first, the, the second wave of corona patients, COVID patients, is of, uh, are younger. And because they're younger, who, who, why, are they, why are they younger? Because it's the younger people it's, uh, who were at school and a lot of transfer of uh, corona infection was, it happened at school and they go home, the kids go home and infect their parents. Well, the parents are still young. They're 40 or 50 years old. We haven't got the same uh, picture that we had at the, with the first wave where there were a lot of old people getting infected. The old people now in the second wave have learnt, learnt a lesson and they're being very careful. So younger people do better with coronavirus, as you know. So the, um, uh, we're, getting, we're getting proportionately fewer people in the intensive care units. But of course, they are filling up. It's interesting, as these pandemics move forward, the lessons learned for doctors and medical professionals amid all of this changing day-to-day. Professor Anthony Heyman, the head of family care for one of Israel's largest health providers. Professor, thank you again for your time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.